Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. This segment was brought to you by Aurum Capital. If you are thinking about exiting or succession with a business today, you are joining a growing number of owners also considering the same alternatives. And if you've already heard that news, then you know exits or successions can be challenging, unless you can facilitate a recipe ahead of time and make your company prominent to attract attention and maximize your enterprise value in the broadest market. Anticipate and facilitate with Aurum Capital Connect today. For more information, please visit AurumCapConnect.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Steve Biggery. He's the CEO and chairman at Sync3 Restaurant Solutions. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Sync3 is actually really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into all that stuff, let's get to know you a little, little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Great. Well, I was uh, I was born in the UP of Michigan okay. and then moved to Milwaukee as I was growing up and um, uh, was able to uh, uh, go to West Point where I graduated and then uh, moved out here to Colorado. So okay. what did you take at West Point and why? <laughs> well, it, the the like my entire story, you couldn't make it up. I actually, okay. I actually got a scholarship to Brown. I was playing football at Brown and couldn't afford to eat. So um, if you can't eat, you can't play football. Right. So I went to Army just thinking it was free, and I fell in love with it. And okay. uh, and graduated from there. Served uh, as a captain in the military. And then uh, that's where the story really got interesting and in how I got into restaurants. Okay, so do you want to walk us through that journey? Yeah, my um, my oldest daughter was born with a significant medical issue, so I spent a great deal of time in Ronald McDonald houses. And okay. uh, once your life is changed by that, you want to help other people. So I helped build the Ronald McDonald house here and got. Oh very wow! Involved. Yeah, it was a great project. And, um, and then when I was, I decided to get out of the army because my daughter needed uh, operations that the military can handle. Okay. And uh, I was recruited with a, by a bunch of fortune 100 companies and, and the local operator, a guy who had been the president of McDonald's international and opened 63 countries for McDonald's, a guy named Brent Cameron, wow. who was a legend of McDonald's said, Hey, you should come and run my company. And I laughed and said, no. And uh, long story short, I, I wound up coming back around and uh, started to operate McDonald's restaurants for him. And that's what that's really what brought me here. Okay, interesting. So what made you finally say yes to him and then start working at McDonald's? You, you know, he was offering me, it was interesting because he said, you're at this big Fortune 100 company, you're going to be a stiff in a Brooks Brothers suit and I'll let you run a great company. And that's what you want to do. And when I got there, I realized he was right. 
So I called him and I said, hey, are you still looking for that uh, uh, fill in that position? And he said, uh, I'm a patient guy. You're the right guy. So I've been waiting. <laughs> That's cool, though. It was awesome. It was, uh, you know, he was just one of those legendary mentors in your life. Uh, was just a brilliant man. And it really helped shape my everything about how I how I live my life. So he was tragically killed climbing maroon bells with his wife and uh, uh, then I got into the equity end of the business at McDonald's and uh, uh, grew very quickly and uh, you know we, we did some amazing things together at McDonald's a great run I was uh, privileged to chair the innovation team there and as an operator and work with uh, legends like Tom Ryan and Mott Slaterhausen and so I just learned a lot Sure. The other thing, like I worked at McDonald's when I was in my, my teens, the one, like other than all the stereotypical stuff that you've read about and, and people have said about like working in fast food and, and like teamwork and all that stuff that you learn. The one thing that I really think about a lot is like, it really made me decide if you wanted to like work with the general public or not. And I'm not saying one choice or is better than the other, but I really think everybody should work in like fast food, even if it's for like a few months or whatever, just to understand and, and experience what it's like to work with the general public, because there's a lot of pros, there's a lot of cons and a bunch of in between. Right. And you really figure out whether that's for you or, or not for you at all. Do you agree? Or what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think it's a great perspective. And I think it, it opens up many other opportunities. I mean, so many people I know are McDonald's operators and executives today. But even think about my journey. I, I was speaking at a local college, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, to a class of about 250 marketing people where I found my co-founder of Synchry, who was a junior. And oh, interesting. You know, I, I opened that class with, who here would like to work at McDonald's? And he's the only one who raised his hand. And then I said, who here would like to own a McDonald's? And everybody raised their hand. So uh, I brought him on as a junior um, <clears throat> uh, to work for me as an unpaid intern. And he became the co-founder of Sync3 and solved some amazing problems. So I, I think that, you, you know, it's more than, it's everything you said and uh, the opportunity of a lifetime. It, it really is a cool company that, uh, um, you know, helps people find the American dream. Sure. So, Walk us through coming up with the idea for Sync3 and what exactly is it? Yeah, so um, it started as a solution for the drive-through. So I'm chronically ADHD and never satisfied with anything. So, uh, you know, we could climb Pike's Peak and then I'd pat you on the back and say, hey, let's go get Everest, let's go. Never happened. So okay. we had already set uh, a number of drive-through records I have a, a dear friend at Chick-fil-A and the only place I could beat him was in the drive-through. So I became intently focused on the drive-through and setting the drive-through world record. And uh, I remember realizing that I had to uh, get more lanes in and started to put in multiple lanes and then a triple lane. Well, we couldn't answer those calls. And so I brought in all these learned engineers and brilliant people and said, I wanna stick that speakerphone into a speaker post and everybody said, you're crazy. And then Matt, who's my co-founder said, I could do that. And he created this ridiculous, like mousetrap type scenario 
that that pulled it off. And as a consequence of that, our drive-through restaurants were the highest volume in the system. Wow. Uh, we set and still hold the drive-through world record of 374 cars in one hour through one window. And we did wow. that. Yeah, that's like that's a ton like as somebody that worked drive-through that's a ton like what was the record before that oh it's in the it's in the hundreds yeah okay i was gonna guess it's like it's got to be less than half of that yeah less than half but um the, the key to it was being able to take those orders remotely and take three at a time so we did that through a call center and that was really kind of the first half of our journey was drive through call center and then some really great iconic brands came along, CPK first, California Pizza Kitchen, and then many, many others. Now we're fortunate to have great, great clients, like 30 marquee clients. Um, and, and really, the, it became then about uh, making off-premise more frictionless. And this was something that had a great growth trajectory since we really shifted to more a tech focus in 2014. Okay. And that's when Sync 3 was born out of, uh, at the time, the McDonald's Call Center, uh, which had a different name. And um, we really became, it was funny, I, I, the whole thing was instigated by a visit I had with Truett Cathy before he passed at Chick-fil-A. And he thought it was so cool that I was this drive through hamburger guy. Okay. And, uh, he was such an iconic leader getting to meet him was one of the privileges of my life wow. and um, and he he told matt and i this little story about when he was at the dwarf house and he knew all of his customers by name and he told us this amazing story and matt and i kind of looked at each other and said you know with the data and predictive analytics and ai uh, we could replicate what he was able to do at the dwarf house and so we set about doing that and that's what sync three is today okay so for people that don't know what that is what exactly does that mean and what solutions do you provide the restaurant industry so we are primarily focused in uh providing voice ordering solutions to the restaurant industry for takeout catering whatever and also it's all restaurants all the time that's all we do okay we do it with humans and AI and hybrids. So um, uh, the fusion of AI, predictive analytics, and humans, and what I think is the defining future for really all industry in America. So think about these individuals as centaurs or super soldiers. They, they're um, people, so they provide this wonderful guest experience, but they're empowered by AI and predictive analytics. So they're able to meet guests where they are and provide them this amazing frictionless journey. Some of our guests choose just a speak, an AI solution. Some choose just a human solution and uh, some default to. So if the AI begins and then something goes wrong, your cell phone cuts out or whatever, um, the human will finish, but they'll pick up right where the technology left off. Okay, so do you maybe want to give us some use cases or some examples of, of how that plays out? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the best case scenario is if you think about removing friction from your life, you have a McDonald's background, I do too. Uh, we, we knew at McDonald's that 70% of our customers came from three minutes out. 
So guests who are ordering takeout are looking for convenience. This has been accelerated by COVID, but it's existed for decades. So right. if you're ordering off-premise or drive-through, you really are primarily looking for convenience. And you're almost always in your car. So a, a digital solution, which we're big proponents of, digital um, online and, and mobile apps, um, and we empower those apps, by the way, with voice behind them to make them easier. Um, but th that's typically difficult from the car. So now you would simply in your car say, hey, whatever your uh, voice AI is, call Chipotle. When you call Chipotle, you're going to have our technology answer the phone. Hi, Kevin. Welcome back. Last time you had this. Do you want that again? Uh, okay. No, no. So think about that, right? right. I know, I know your preferences. Um, no, I want this, this, and this. Okay, great. Can I get you this? No, I don't want that. All right, now I'll collect your payment. Okay, so now, now you've had this frictionless voice experience that allows you to order in advance. You're paid in advance, so you get to cut the line when you arrive. Right. Interesting. No, I, I think that's that's really cool. And I think especially, well, nowadays, like how actually we'll get in that in a second. Give us a couple other examples of how uh, cu current customers use their technology. Yeah. So um, the sexy part is what I, what I told it's the ordering part. Right. So, for example, Mod Pizza sits on a different piece of technology we have called Sync Voice which is uh, just a different type of automation technology. Again, that has the enhanced rapid reorder feature. So it'll recognize you. It'll give us some background on you ahead of time. It will um, offer you that the, the previous order or stored order, and, and then take your order from end to end, take your payment from end to end, set up your curbside experience from end to end, um, and now with that, we can start to inject uh, what we're calling sync vault payment. So text to pay. We oh, can okay. start to inject through our partnership with Telenav, predictive analytics on where you are and when you'll arrive. We can track you if you want. So we can align production with arrival. And, and finally, we can announce your arrival and have that food waiting in a locker, which which we call new through or drive through for the rest of us. So if you think about it, it's a drive through like experience where you pre-order prepay and then you'll pick up the food in a locker. We're actually deploying this in January. You'll pick cool. in a locker that your phone will just open it as you're walking up. So you have a drive through like experience and you don't need to drive through on the building. Interesting. Well, and I guess that does play perfectly into the next thing I was going to say is like, how is COVID kind of changed or sped up some of the technology in your business. And I guess like that's the perfect example of something that for, for COVID and, and kind of beyond, right. That uh, is probably really been driving the idea behind that or, or walk us through how you came up with the, that idea and, and why you think it's going to be really successful. Well, it was long before that, Kevin, that, that's a great point. So I can, I can prove that, uh, that, this was going on a long time before. Okay. I had a TED Talk keynote at the International Franchise Association in February of 2019. 
And if you go watch that, it's online. Uh, people come to me and today say, they, they say, Steve, you knew COVID was coming. So <laughs> I, had, I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. Those trends existed long before COVID. The trend towards frictionless convenience has existed for at least a decade. People, as long as people don't have enough time, they always want things faster and cheaper. That, sure. that, that's always going to be the case, right? Yep. So, um, but what COVID did was it hit a big red reset button. What okay. it did was dramatically accelerate. So the industry, you know, is typically an industry that technology forgot. It's a bunch of disintegrated, fragmented solutions from a number of suppliers that aren't really guest centric and the restaurants are busy and they don't have time to fully integrate them with the guests in mind and keeping that guest experience top of mind. So what COVID did was it said, hey, all bets are off. He who has the best solution wins. And you know, we had, we were one of the companies that had one of the best solutions. So, you, you know, we've more than doubled in size. Wow, interesting. So how do you guys stay ahead of that curve? Because to double in size, during a pandemic is well staying alive during a pandemic as a business is challenging enough never mind growing in size so like how do you stay up on top of what's up and coming and, and make sure you're ahead of the curve you know and sure like if you were predicting this well before even COVID started you knew it was coming it sounds like COVID just kind of sped it up it did and and I, I want to go back just a little bit and okay how blessed I feel that we're in such a great position because when this whole thing started, we had no idea. We had clients calling us and telling us that they couldn't pay us. And I said, listen, as long as you promise to keep your people working, I'll give you whatever terms you need. And uh, what I would tell you is my clients are absolute, the absolute heroes of the industry, man. We, we did a rough calculation just about a month ago and we believe that our restaurant clients have saved over a quarter of a million restaurant jobs. And wow, just that's great. part of that, man, is it's, it's humbling and it's unbelievable. Sure. But, but to your question, so I, I want to give them props. Yeah, makes sense. To your question, we always work with the thought leaders, you know, Noah Glass at Olo and uh, folks like that who are always at the, the cutting edge of restaurant technology um, many, many others. So we're fortunate to run in those circles. Uh, we believe in collaborating with the best. Uh, our clients, we listen to them and they are brilliant. Uh, so really all you have to do to figure out what's next is talk to your friends. So on the technology side, they, they have all the solutions. And on the restaurant side, they know exactly what the guests want. So Really, what we've done effectively has been a good broker of that, uh, just a, a, a good steward of delivering for the restaurants what the guests are articulating in a way that's affordable, fast, and effective. No, it makes, makes a lot of sense, right? And it, it's, it's good that you're taking your clients' feedback and shaping the future of the company then, correct? Yes, it's the only way to do it because they they have the pulse of the guest every day. Interesting. So all the data and stuff that you collect, 
how does a restaurant or, well, I guess, and or management or somebody higher up in the company leverage that data? Do they have access to it? What can they do with it? Uh, like, and what kind of reporting is around it? Yeah, so first and foremost, we never, never uh, sell that data. We never share it with anyone else. Okay. We have a data lake that's a repository of everything about our clients. And with that, we use that to, for example, there's the least sexy automation, which is a, a, an avatar that sits in the background and helps a live human uh, hear that, you know, it, it can detect in your voice an intonation that says you're getting stressed out right now because I'm talking too much. Oh, interesting. And it can tell the agent that. Um, it can predict what you might buy, what, what we might be able to upsell you, those types of things. Um, so I think that that's a big part of the whole equation. But more importantly, so, so that again, that's not sexy AI. Nobody can see that, but it makes the experience that much better. Sure. From the reporting perspective, we've just tied all that together because now we have, it's more like a data ocean. I mean, we'll do nearly 50 million automated transactions this year. Wow. That's just, just automated. Right. And um, we have a, a, over a thousand agents taking calls every day. So I can't even tell you how many that is. Sure. It's a bigger number, but the automation's growing faster than the humans. So that data is now kind of a data ocean. And we've strapped on a Power BI on the front of that. So our clients now... We used to have our client success managers used to kind of sift through that data and prepare reports for them. We still do that, but we mostly just give them the tool and let them parse the data any way they want, which is so powerful because they can see every trend as it's happening in real time. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really great, right? Because the best way to predict and understand what's going well, what needs improvement is in the data, correct? Yes, absolutely. The guests tell you what they want and you just store it. Now I have, you know, I have serious concerns about using that data in other ways, but certainly it belongs to our clients and they should use it to give you a better guest experience. So that's what we do with it. And, and what I see us doing with it for the, as long as I'm around. No, makes makes sense. So how do you, though, decide which ideas that you get from your clients to actually pursue and ones to maybe table to revisit later or just say like, nah, that's not really what we want to get into? Because that's got to be tricky sometimes with some of these clients. Oh, well, yeah. My clients will tell you I've got, uh, my employees will tell you that uh, I need to take more time off because <laughs> I'm an early riser and I come up with five ideas before 4 a.m. Um, and, and some of them are pretty stupid. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think the key point there is, and I learned this, uh, you know, from the, the greats that I mentioned before, Brent and Tom Ryan and Mott's Lederhausen. And um, you really have to know what you know and know what you don't know. And with that in mind, you have to understand that restaurants don't have limitless budgets. So okay. we kind of adopt a let's shoot the big game first, right? So we, we, we'll take 
five or six ideas. Like new through is going to be the hottest thing you ever saw because it's now drive through for the rest of us. I'm telling you right now, in six months, you're going to want to do a thing on new through because we're going to be able to put drive throughs on every restaurant in America. And that's a game changing technology. It's a big deal. So that, that's, if you think about that, that's the big, the big thing right now. The, to get there, you have to have voice automation because if you don't have voice automation, right. you can't capture enough orders. So the first thing you do is layer on the voice automation. Well, then you got to have payment or it's not going to be frictionless. So you got to solve right. for Then you do that. Then after that, you want to improve that. So you want to strap on geo so that you can predict when the customer's going to arrive. You want to strap on the lockers so that they can open just as you step out of your car, those kinds of things. So you do it sequentially and you get, you use the profits. It's, it was fundamental to our thinking of transforming McDonald's. When I left McDonald's, we had the longest streak of positive count months in the history of the company, 141 consecutive months. Wow. By deploying this philosophy. Do bag the big game first and then build on things that support it, but get the money up front, use that money to support the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Got you. Okay. Interesting. So when you say put a, uh, basically like a drive-through on every restaurant, how does that work? Do they have to put up money up front then? Is it like a commission model or how do you guys monetize that? No, we, we're, we're, just about, we're just about taking the orders, man. So okay. um, this is a digital ordering solution. We'll introduce them to one of the three big locker companies. We, we've got a favorite in that race, uh, Intellipec. Okay. But you, you basically put the locker where it makes the most sense in the restaurant. So it could literally be a restaurant in a strip mall, and you could put it in the front door. You put a parking stall right next to the locker, and now you have a parallel or non-linear drive-through. So if three of us all pull up at the same time, it only takes less than 10 seconds to take the food out of the locker. The food is already prepared because we know when you're arriving. It's hot because it's put in there just in time. It's secure because only you can get to it. Right. then you step out of your car, you grab your food, you can leave your kids in the car because you're not but two feet away. Right. Interesting. So it has, it, in some ways, it's more convenient than drive through, especially when you see these massive drive through lines today sure. being caused by COVID. Sure. No, interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I think even just the like mobile ordering and the curbside kind of pickup has seemed to kind of take off, right? Where sure. I think five or 10 years ago, there's been companies that kind of tried that, but it didn't seem to go anywhere. But like now you see people in those things all the time, right? And you're basically just adding, a, you're basically adding another layer to that and making it even more convenient for people. Right, Can, more convenient for the staff and for the guest, better, cheaper, faster, hotter. Yeah, and safer. Safer, uh, removing all the friction from it. So um, we, we think it's a, a really big uh, disruptive technology. This year, 42% of all restaurant transactions have gone through a drive-through. I can't wait till that's you know 80. And this is the way to get to 80 or 90. Now, remember, Kevin, this isn't about using my service. It's all digital pre-ordering. So right. this is about driving digital. We want to drive online, mobile, 
digital voice call ahead prepay so the guest engages in all those activities so they're really our partner in eliminating the friction yeah you're right interesting yeah okay that makes makes a lot of sense right that's it it's almost like giving back full control to the guest right and and whoever's ordering the food right it's like well you can order it or get it however you want and you can choose right it's that simple man we we say we meet the guests where they are and take them where they want to go sure because like i get some people probably love the idea like myself like i want you to know where i am so you can it can be ready when i get there i get some people don't like that much tracking I like those conveniences. So, but it's it's nice to be able to kind of cherry pick the functions and features that I like based on what's available, right? Yeah. So if you think about just that, so I'm the guy who doesn't want to be tracked, right? I'm, sure. I'm the guy who didn't well have. And uh, um and because you've invested in that, because you've taken your time to do that, I don't have to wait behind you. So in fact, my experience is better. And you know, we've seen that in the digital Chipotle restaurants. You know, we support all the Chipotle restaurants with this. Okay. And it's remarkable what you see because, you know, if you're a guest standing in line there, you get to say, oh, just a little more beans. Oh, no, less sour cream, you know, whatever, right? You get yep. that You get that designer experience. But for me, I'm hunting when I go there. So I've done it all in advance. I walk to the counter, I cut the line, I wave at you. Uh, over there in your lineup, getting your beans exactly the way you want them. And the point is, I don't care. I want both of you to get a great experience. But why should you be waiting in line behind me? Yeah, fair. Interesting. No, I agree. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, in some ways, and it kind of sounds stupid now, but it's like, why hasn't it always been done like that? And I get technology had to catch up and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know what I'm getting at there, right? Like in a lot of cases, I think a lot of people have wanted some of this stuff for a lot of period or a lot of time or like the choice, right. Of what they want to do because, because you might want that experience at like a fast food type restaurant, but like at a different type of restaurant or maybe even a different fast food restaurant, you might want to wait in line because you have a specific thing that you want to make sure you get right. Like, so it's almost like restaurant specific then. Well, I think, I think that's very insightful, Kevin, but I think it's more than restaurant specific. It's use occasion specific. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So for example, if I'm taking my kid to his football game yeah, and uh, I've only got 15 minutes, yeah, I'm kind of stuck in a drive-thru. Well, you can use this technology to order ahead and dine in. So you can right. order ahead on a restaurant in the route, have the food waiting when you arrive, eat it in the restaurant and be out and drive through like convenience. Now, it was my anniversary last night. If I would have done that to my Congrats. wife. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's all use occasion specific. Yeah, okay. No, that makes sense. Yeah, right. You're right. Because you're right. Like sometimes you want to go, you're just in a hurry because you have something. Sometimes you want the whole night or you have a, a bunch of time. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. So I'm curious then how how long does it take to roughly onboard a new restaurant i get that it's probably really dependent on 
what technology and services they want, but about is it usually like weeks or months or, or walk us through that process? It's, it's about six weeks. Okay. You know, so it's not long at all. If they have, um, if they have a robust uh, modern infrastructure APIs, they're on one of the leading online ordering systems like an Olo, they have, you know, a leading point of sale system. It's all about the APIs and, right. APIs and SDK integrations. Uh, and then bringing the people up to speed, learning the menu, creating the training programs. We've got that down for a brand to get that done in six to eight weeks, uh, really end to end. Okay. And then is it like a monthly subscription or, or what's your pricing model for that? Well, it, it typically depends upon the interaction. I mean, we, okay. we have clients that have seven different lines of business with us. In, in a nutshell, you know, we do catering, we do takeout, we... In a nutshell, it all depends how you want the service. So if it's high-end people on a very high-touch environment and it's a long transaction, it's going to cost more than if it's an automated uh, low-touch transaction that's 90 seconds long. It, I mean, one cost might be under a dollar and the other might be five. Okay, got you. But, but it's, it's almost always success-based. It's almost always, uh, if we get this, then you get that, and then you pay that. Okay. So for, and I'm assuming you're probably on more on the catering side of things, like how does it work for maybe some of like the non kind of fast food type places? Obviously you can have this, this drive-through service that you've been mentioning, but how does it work for like a sit-down restaurant or somewhere where majority of their clientele actually go and physically sit in a restaurant. Do you have yeah, products have, around that? Yeah, we have iconic brands, right? Like uh, Red Lobster and Portillo's and that, that are California pizza kitchen that are sit down restaurants. Okay. So they, they, they already do a lot of off-premise takeout and that is generally today delivered curbside or carryout. Right. Um, but we also can uh, deploy uh, order head dine in. So when, when you think about as COVID restrictions start to lift, this trend is going to become more and more prevalent, right? Right. Because you want that sit down experience, but you don't necessarily want the, the extended time so that you wind up sitting in a booth next to coffin guy. Yeah. Uh, I think people are going to be sensitive to that for a long time. So you can get that full service dining experience um, by just taking a few minutes on your way and ordering the food ahead and then dining in. Got it. Okay. So yeah, I guess that doesn't really matter whether it's a sit down restaurant or fast food, right? I get fast food yeah. has sit down, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but we really focus on off premise today and that's really what people are buying today. I, I just see that, that morph to, uh, more expedited on premise in the future. Interesting. So do you think then, and obviously this is just a guess that some of those, cause some restaurants, they have a lot of physical space. Do you think restaurant sizes might shrink then at least for yeah, certain chains? Absolutely going to happen. The restaurant in the future is a Ferrari, not a bus. Interesting. Okay. And I'm curious then like, did you see that trend happening before COVID or has COVID kind of sped that up or what are your thoughts around that prediction? Yeah, we've always thought that that was coming, that they, 
that they were overseeded a little bit. Um, okay. That, that was something the restaurateurs noticed. Uh, that, that was developing, you know, sit-down restaurants were overseeded by 30 or 40% three years ago. So that was already started, but it has dramatically accelerated. Now with the advent of third-party delivery and ghost kitchens and all that, I really imagine the restaurant of the future is going to be a much smaller dining room, a much bigger kitchen um, that, that's able to produce a lot more food very quickly for a variety of use occasions and distribution methodologies. So yeah, I think there'll be smaller, more nimble, uh, bigger engines like a sports car versus a bus. Got you. Okay. It also seems like even before uh, COVID, more and more restaurants and even places that I, I would consider fast food have doing kind of catering too, right? Which is, so therefore, like, obviously they would need a bigger kitchen as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's been a very uh, successful line of business for us. Obviously, during the peak of COVID, sure. that started to wane. And many of the companies that were solely focused on catering are gone now. And we're, we're amping up a big catering division as we speak, because as people come back for moms, dads, and grads, um, and, and we get out of this 2020 nightmare, um, there, there's going to be more and more business to consumer catering. And, right. uh, and then by the fall, we really see, hey, they're going to want you back in the office, bud. So how better than to get you back in the office, but to feed you. So we're going to craft a catering program around that. That's high frequency, uh, high return. And the fun thing about catering is if you think about it, um, that, that you think about your kitchen as a factory that produces food. Okay. Um, that capacity is underutilized pre-lunch and pre-dinner. Right. That's when you're preparing the catering uh, orders. So right. it makes it a very profitable line of business to be in. Got you. Yeah. Interesting. Any other predictions that we might see in the next three to five years that we haven't talked about yet? Well, I think the biggest one is, and this is societal. Okay. Um, uh, is really about the effect of automation. You know, it's funny when I, when I talk to the genius uh, technology companies, and I mean this, I have all the gadgets you can imagine. When you talk to the the Googles and, and the like, uh, they're just absolutely brilliant. Um, but they, their, their lens is that automation is like a light switch. It's binary. Okay. You turn it on or you turn it off. It's either on or it's off. And if it's on, 100% of the transaction is automated. If it's off, it's not. And see, I, I see the world as a dimmer. I see this, the future is being one where humans... Um, uh, empowered by predictive analytics and AI are able to be that much more effective, that much more productive, that much more profitable. So the integration of the two is going to be what really changes our society. And I think for the better, there's all these dire predictions about it, eliminating jobs. You know, when we started our automation journey, I employed less than 200 people. Today, I employ more than 1,100. Wow. So Automation has not taken a job. It's dramatically accelerated our hiring. And more importantly, it, it, the, the automation and the predictive analytics take out the boring and mundane. 
and the humans can focus on that high touch, high impact transaction. So I, I think you're going to see people, I think the biggest trend in our society will be more towards that kind of centaur um, mentality where humans are empowered by uh, technology to do better. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think it, it's interesting that you say that because I think like nobody likes doing the boring parts of their job. And if they can do the better, more engaging, more fun parts of their job, then, and they can offload the other stuff to automation. Like we're so far away from automating a hundred percent of somebody's job, if it ever happens at all. Right. And so I think the fear of all that for majority of industries is it's just kind of this like, fear that like maybe that'll happen but to your point i think you're right like people expect just to be handled a certain way some of that stuff can very much be automated and then if i choose or want or need to talk to somebody real then i get passed over to that right and i think that's just gonna be the new normal in a, in a couple of years right it's going to be in everything that we do and everything we interact with kevin it's here today but more as importantly that individual is now enhanced yeah by ai and predictive analytics so they can provide you better service because they know more they 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 understand the sentiment that you're feeling right now they know the products and goods and services that you like so they'll be able to provide you with a richer guest experience because of that. Now that, you know, it's interesting because of my military background, uh, my old roommate at West Point, a three-star general named Ed Cardone really ran Cyber Command for a few years and, and watching what they've done with it. If you think about this in a military context, it makes so much sense, right? So uh, a, a, a predator drone identifies the enemy in the open they make it, they do a target lock. They, they want to engage that enemy. Well, a human is looking there and they say, hey, wait a second, there's three friendlies in there. Yeah. And they call it off. That, that's, that's stark and that's easy. Um, it's also morbid. Um, but, but in the context of a buying decision, shopping, dining, and remember, we're setting the context for something you do more than a thousand times a year. So when people get used to this context in their restaurant ordering experience, it will easily spill over into the other areas of your life where you have to set a doctor's appointment or you have to buy something else. You'll say, oh, that's just like what I do in my favorite restaurant. Right. So, Interesting. So we'll, be on the, we'll be on the vanguard of that transformation because you do it so much more often than you do those other things. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. But we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and any other links you want to mention? Yeah, I think uh, for us, it's www.sync3.com. S-Y-N-Q, the, the number three, dot com. It's that simple. There's a contact us page. There's an overview of all the goods and services we have, our philosophies. Uh, you can learn anything you want. You can get right to me or Matt through that site. Perfect, Steve. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day, man. 
Kevin, thanks so much. It was a hoot. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.